0: This is the Wesson Walker Show.
2: Even the crowd knows what's coming next.
0: football friday from wes and walker except uh gonna have to do it without wes today we got josh fitty Marlowe in the co-captain chair Shroppy in here too it was funny he just kind of rolled in right at showtime and decided you know what all right guys we can start the show now it's cool i'm here i'm sitting down we're ready to go here in the planted kia studios and we appreciate you listening to the middays here on wfnz from 12 to 3 p.m it'll be me and fitty welcoming hunter bailey at 12 45 Also, Nada Edwards is going to be hopping on with us back-to-back, actually, 1 o'clock, too. We'll talk a little bit about the college basketball scene, a campus corner college basketball edition. And also, we got a text from Wes about an hour ago, something like that, where he said, Good morning. I would like to call in at some point if I have some time and talk bleep. That's all he said. I don't know what that means. I don't know if he wants to talk bleep to me or if he wants to do so to Fiddy. I don't even know if he's going to have enough time. But what I do know is that was the text that we received. And I'm quite interested, to be honest with you. Usually when he's doing something else, he'll call in and give us some input or analysis on whatever event that he's covering. But I don't know what talk bleep means, Fiddy. Do you have any idea? Were you guys texting with one another, and he wants to gloat about something? It could be anything.
1: Oh, I, I'm just surprised that Big Time Bryant remembered us while he's off this weekend calling a game for the CW, uh, as, as he takes you know his his next step in the, in the broadcasting medium. And she have no quarrels with me, because I was I was saddened and heartbroken that there would not be a football Friday with him. Um, I was the one that wished him a safe and happy flight. You did. Uh, You know, so as far as I know, him and I are good, but I don't know. Maybe some words were said, well, y'all were taking photos yesterday in the Wienermobile
0: after the show. That's our new profile pick. I love it. (laughs) Right there in the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. I don't know why it's shown up a couple times where we've broadcasted. There's only six in the world, by the way. That's a true thing. I thought there were, he said 12. I said 10. No, it's under. You should have taken the under there. Six, we learned all sorts of Wiener facts when we were out at the Charlotte Auto Show. Oscar Meyer had us all Bruh. sorts of informed on the Mobile. Had no clue. We walked in. We took an album cover pick. We got great album name suggestions. I liked a lot of them. I decided to run with Bun the Jewels because you have the white guy, black guy thing, hip hop album cover. Bun the Jewels. Thank you very much. I was a fan. We also had Good Kid, NAD Glizzy. <laughs> we also, instead of Stankonia, we got Frankonia, a little outcast mention. <sighs> there were a few good ones, and I appreciate everybody for it. That, that got a lot of play. That profile pick that is mm-hmm. now the album cover. I am looking hard, right? I'm looking like, yo, what's up? With my ketchup pillow. That was the
1: best part.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and my pants are a little redden up. So it looks like just a, a tint of high water going on in the Oscar Meyer Wintermobile, and Wes just staring right back at you. I love that photo. And so I'm glad Wes took the Liberty to make that the profile pick, but I have no clue what he's going to do. If he calls in, he is you're right. Fiddy. He is leaving us now to be big time. Not only is he going to do the sideline report thing, He's going to be doing, I think, he's going to be the color analyst in, on this for this uh, Virginia game. And mm. so, yeah, I didn't know that until right after the show, he had had a conversation before we hopped on yesterday's show, and apparently it was so he could be the color analyst. So big shout to West. I think this is going to be his first ever game in the booth rather than being on the sideline. So that's real big stuff. And we're so proud of him, man. Clap for West. Big clap for Wes.
1: Well, I mean, I also think good heads up by the CW to put him in the booth because why would you want to put him on the sidelines in a position where he could lie to the millions and millions of people that are going to tune into this game? Because as we've learned, sideline reporters in the sports industry, they never lie.
0: I would love, I would love Wes Bryant to come up with like a top five list of things he's going to report that are manufactured. <laughs> That's what I want carissa thompson allowing us that kind of content i do thank her for that a lot of other people are not thanking her for her recent comments on a barstool comment uh, or barstool podcast excuse me let's get to those comments right now little industry talk to open up the show pull up to the scene open up the doors mr bus driver let's get off the bus
3: we look good getting off the bus i got something to say
0: anybody on twitter it was all the rage yesterday carissa thompson sideline reporter also host of the halftime show the pregame show on amazon for thursday night football carissa thompson had these comments about her sideline uh, her sideline reports on pardon my take I haven't been fired for saying it, but I'll say it again. I would make up the report sometimes because, A, the coach wouldn't come out at halftime or it was too late, and I was like, I didn't want to screw up the report. So I was like, I'm just going to make this up because, first of all, no coach is going to get mad if I say, hey, we need to stop uh, hurting ourselves. We need to be better on third down. We yep. need to stop turning the ball over. the quarterback. We need to, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and and do a better job of getting off the field. Like They're not going to correct me on that. Right. So I'm like, it's fine. I'll it just w- make up the report. Okay, there are a couple things here. Everybody lost their mind for this. And I I don't even want to say lost their mind. I I, I want to say, like, there were legitimate reasons as to why this was a problem. There were legitimate reasons said by other sideline reporters on Twitter, social media, wherever, were explaining why this is a problem. Because sideline reporting, it fuels people that think the job is a joke anyway, which makes it all that much harder for some people in the industry to break through and continue to move up and have their job taken seriously. There also is a trust that is earned there by sideline reporters, the good ones, who do develop relationships with these coaches. And if they have any inkling that you might be lying about a certain interaction with them, then that might be a problem. We see this with players. We see it pretty frequently. Somebody will say something. A journalist might say, this happened between a player and a coach and then we saw it in the nba with bones highland i think the most recent example like yesterday someone talked about how bones highland was not going to be a part of the rotation anymore according to ty Lu. and what does bones highland do he quote tweets it and says the cap emoji he's calling it a lie so that stuff matters being accurate being truthful it does matter and so those were legitimate reasons as to why a lot of other sideline reporters had a problem with Carissa Thompson's comments. But when you start off your comment, at least in that cut clip, by "I haven't gotten fired for it before saying it," so I'll say it again. You know there is a possibility, or you know that that needs to be addressed for a certain reason. So at the very least, you understand it's controversial. At the very least, I've gotten, I haven't gotten fired or before by saying it, so I'll just say it again. Yeah, you're bringing that up because you know it's controversial, and I understand why a lot of people got frustrated by these comments from Carissa Thompson. You not as much, though, when you were watching all these tweets roll in yesterday. Well,
1: I mean, like, here's my thing. Like, as someone that watches a lot of national televised sporting events because I'm a fan of a national uh, team in the Cowboys, have you never once listened to a halftime report that this sideline reporter gave you? And knew it was very generic and thought, yeah, I'm pretty sure like she could say those words and or he and not get in trouble because you didn't get a chance to talk to a coach. And so maybe the problem was that she just admitted it, that, hey, there have been times I've had to do a report and I didn't get a chance to talk to the coach. So I, I, I just said what I thought he was going to say. I didn't get the overall like freak out of it, like. I mean, I know we don't want our media people to lie, but at least she's being upfront and honest, and at least she feels comfortable having that relationship with that coach where, like, I don't think she's doing it, like, with a first-time head coach. No, but But if she's covered the same coach for, like, six to eight games, you're going to figure out what he's going to tell you anyways? I'll just speak for him.
0: But you realize the conflict in saying at least she's being upfront and honest. Yeah, while lying? By not being upfront and honest. Great oxymoron. By lying, about what she's putting out there on the sideline the 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 defense here of carissa thompson at least that i saw was that it's not that big of a deal because what she's saying is benign what she's saying is totally generic, that there's not going to be a coach that disagrees with her whatsoever. She didn't say anything about having a strong enough relationship with the coaches that she doesn't get an interview with, that they're going to back whatever she says. She says that she's all only commenting on the most generic of football terms. Get pressure on the quarterback. Don't turn it over. I'm surprised she didn't drop a, we just need to be a better leader of men in there. <laughs> We need to make sure we're not shooting ourselves in the foot. We can't beat ourselves. Name any comment you've heard a thousand times and then apply it to one of these made-up interactions that she's had with a coach. But There's so many lies that are in the very fabric of what she's talking about. I don't understand why she can't just say, hey, I didn't get an interview with the coach. Here's what I see as to what their problem is. Skip, back to you. It's really easy instead of just making up some stupid interaction. Nobody's going to have a problem if you give your own input as to what the problem is on the field for whatever team you're supposed to be talking about. There's just no reason to make up this interaction with a coach that never happened. It doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I also think it comes back to something where like me as a sports fan, maybe I'm I'm in the in the small minority here. I don't want to know what my coach is thinking going into halftime because I know he's going to give me. What? you don't want to know? Because I know he's not going to tell. How, how many coaches truthfully are going to tell you what they think, what they feel? It is a waste of fifteen to twenty seconds. And now got,
0: that that's not that's not entirely false. I'm with you. There there are a lot of in-game interviews with these coaches on camera where they don't give you anything and they give you a lot of that coach speak. I do think the off-camera stuff that the sideline reporters come with does matter because that's why they're down there. Mm -hmm. They're there to give you a more intimate feel with the game that you don't know watching from your television screen because the booth isn't down there, because Al Michaels, because Kirk Herbstreit, nobody else is down there. And then when people discuss how there's nothing valuable that comes from these sideline reports, we just got one last night. I thought we got some valuable valuable information from Kaylee Hartung about Joe Burrow being hurt and going through some of the things that he did, discussing how, yeah, he couldn't move his elbow up past a certain point. He clearly got frustrated. Yeah, you could see some of that via the camera, but Having confirmation matters, especially in this day and age where, hey, don't, you know, everybody deserves due process. We'll get to that in a moment and later on in the show. But everybody deserves the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. Like we get confirmation on some of this stuff that we might think we see on television, but we can't confirm it because we're not down there. That's why you have the sideline reporter. That's why accuracy matters. That's why I understand why people had such a problem with Carissa Thompson's comments.
1: Another example of of, the, of Al Michaels being checked out. Was if he was really in tune to what was going on, there would have been a sly joke from Al. Because we, we've seen him work in some great jokes at different times during his broadcasting career. Here's what I'll say. I value regional sideline reporters a lot more than national. Like, as a Mets fan, what Steve Gelbs does to SNY, I value. What Ashley Shamani does for the Hornets. I value because they're around these coaches, these players, virtually 24-7 for six to eight months at a time. So th- they've got legitimate great insight. They they have personal relationships. These national sideline reporters, I mean, yeah, the Carissa Thompson's, the Aaron Andrews, the Tom Rinaldis. That have been doing it for 25, 30 years, they've built them. But some of these, they they're they're there for two days, and they get on a plane after the game ends, and they go to their next city. And some of these people that decided to go after Carissa, I thought was kind of hilarious. Like Lisa Salters questioning her credibility after admitting back during the summertime she had never watched Nikola Jokic play basketball while covering the NBA. Didn't know that he was a NBA uh, a, a, a NBA MVP. To me, it was kind of funny because you admitted while covering the finals, you didn't know how good the best player in the league was while covering the finals.
0: Yeah, and I will say, that's being honest, right? Like, I'm not saying, yeah, it's not okay to not understand what you're doing. Yeah, she should have been criticized for that, and she was, as you're bringing it up here again. But she didn't lie. <laughs> she was but, telling I mean, the truth. You she would was imagine reporting. imagine at
1: some point she spoke on Nikola Jokic without ever having covering him, without ever watching him, but because she's a silent, she's a reporter for the league. But I'm not saying she hasn't lied about it. She didn't say
0: anything about making up any of these reports. All that is is just speculation. Well, I believe that she probably lied. And now you're trying to justify Carissa Thompson's comments by just saying, well, Lisa <laughs>
1: soldiers probably lied. You know, When I we think, have no clue. I don't think lying is as big a mistake as not doing your homework. That's my parenting advice to all you all you parents out there. It might not be. <laughs> it, 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 it might not be, you know. But, uh... <laughs>
0: problem either way. Know who Nikola Jokic is, and don't lie about coach interactions. That's what you should get from this first segment. I gotta ask you now, so what do you lie to us
1: about on the Queens broadcast? I plead the fifth. It's Wes and Walker, Sports Radio <laughs>
0: 92.7 WFNZ. Josh Fiddy Marlowe filling in for the West Bryant. It's the game day dubs coming up next. Who would have a bigger impact in their return? Brian Burns or J.C. Horn? We talk about it. Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Big Mac is, man. Biff Pogey. And Biff Pogey just tweeted this out. I'm extending an open invitation to Jim Harbaugh to join me on the sidelines for the next two Charlotte football games. It would be my honor to stand next to you again, as we did for three years. That is Charlotte 49er. I'm sorry. That is my Charlotte 49er head football coach, Biff Pogey extending an invitation to Jim Harbaugh to help the 49ers out a little bit by just being on the sideline. Maybe nothing else. Did the punishment say that he can't watch the Charlotte 49ers game in person? I don't think so. I thought that would just be the punishment itself. Yeah. The offense maybe a little bit every now and then, but we're coming back. Fitty. we almost beat Memphis. Come on now. We're on, we're back on track. Biff Pogey. I'm starting to see the light. The fact that you had a chance to win despite four interceptions, the offense got to get better QB play got to get better, but I'm with it. I'm starting to feel a little bit better. So I'm excited about that. It's Wesson Walker, Josh, Fitty, Marlowe filling in for Wes, Bryan. It's sports radio, 92.7 WFNZ. I did want to read one other text that we got on the Carolina men's clinic tech text line. 980 number said, love you. Fitty. Don't ever have kids, bro. You know, you were laughing at it, so it was all in good spirit.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that followed you. I think giving parenting advice out right before we ended last segment. Mm-hmm. My advice was don't make up reports, and know who Nikola Jokic is. Your advice was care more about homework than lying. Yeah. I think is what your parent. Okay. Yeah you know i don't know if i necessarily disagree with it i'm not going to give parenting advice maybe just don't do either one like actually do or i should say do your homework and then don't lie but you know, whatever. It's whatever you guys want to do. I'll let you guys parent your kids however you want to. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Feel free to give us some advice if you would like. It's time now for the Game Day Dubs. The Panthers take on the Dallas Cowboys at 1 o'clock on Sunday. The who, the what, the where, the when, and the why. The Game Day Dubs. W has infiltrated the station and the show. Like no other, we decided to allow it to do so even more. The who, Fitty. Who would have a bigger impact in their return from injury? Would it be Brian Burns, who didn't miss near as much time as the guy that we also have in this question, or is it JC Horn, who was designated to return from IR, has a 21-day window to be activated, and could come back in this game against the Dallas Cowboys. i leave it up to you. Who has the bigger impact if they return?
1: I mean, I think we're all excited to see J.C. Horn back on the field this Sunday. The answer, though, has got to be Brian Burns. And if ajero Averro is the defensive mastermind that, that we're making him out to be, and a lot of Panther fans have come around to want him to become the head coach once Frank Reich, we imagine, gets fired at the end of the season, He's got to put Brian Burns over Terrence Steele, the, the right guard of the Dallas or the right tackle of the Dallas Cowboys, and let him go to work. And let Brian Burns be the guy that you, maybe you get comfortable wanting to pay $30, 31000000 million to this offseason because Terrence Steele has given up 30 pressures so far uh, uh, th- through the first 10 games for Dallas. So I'm excited to get JC back. But to me, if, if Caroline wants to compete, this has to be a Brian's Burns type of game. The Dallas
0: Cowboys offensive line is not what it used to be. It's not bad by any means. It's still a good plus offensive line, but it isn't as dominant. As they used to be so i like that answer i'm gonna try to make the case for jc horn here if you go to espn.com there's an interesting matchup x factor according to seth walter of espn.com panther slot corner troy hill will face a fair share of the scorching hot cd lamb will face his fair share of snaps against cd lamb which is obviously a tough assignment but troy hill's done a pretty nice job he has a better than average 0.9 yards per coverage snap allowed this season and he's going against a wide receiver that you've been able to watch for your favorite team, Fiddy, CeeDee Lamb has been fantastic. If you bring back J.C. Horn, you move Dante Jackson to the other side, who's been playing his best football the last three games Mm -hmm. that we've seen in quite some time. He's got you believing again. He does, I know. Ah, God, I know. I can't help it. I'm sorry. (laughs) Brian Baldinger, he said that he played the perfect game against the Chicago Bears. DJ Moore being your best weapon, a good player. Tyson Bagent being the QB, I would hope that you played well, but he did, and he took it to another level. So if you move scorching hot Dante Jackson also to the other side, you bring back J.C. Horn, Troy Hill plays as well as you possibly could against a guy like Ceedee Lamb, and then you can't go to Cooks or you can't go to Michael Gallup, who's struggled this season on the outside— and then maybe even Frankie Louvu in coverage against Jake Ferguson, who's been fantastic. You got to cover him in the red zone. That guy has a bajillion targets once they get inside the 20. I think maybe you could help your defensive line and Brian Burns by covering better downfield. That's what I'm excited about. Like JC Horn, the only reason you don't want to commit to him long term is because you're worried about his health. But when he's on the field, even if me and Wes can disagree on just how good he is, we both agree that he's good. Yeah. We both agree. That guy is one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL, even if we don't agree on top five, top ten, whatever. I think J.C. Horn would be a monster deal. Plus, Dak Prescott, I know you talked about the interception last week. Man, his numbers have been fantastic the last month that he's played. So, hopefully you can cover a little better. Let's go to the what. What will the offense look like under new play caller again, Frank Reich. He took it back, man. Frank Reich was the O.C., the play caller the first six games. Then it's Thomas Brown for a month with three games. Now we're going back to Frank Reich. I don't know if it's going to look any different. This is the thing you hope for. You hope that Bryce Young truly will be better under Frank Reich and that because of the pressure put on him by these reports from Diana Rossini, David Tepper, and maybe those weekly meetings that Frank Reich admitted to having throughout the season because he is working for a very hands-on owner, you're hoping at some point that pressure forces Frank Reich to, I don't know, go with more motion. That's not happening. I don't know if they're worried about there being too many intricacies with and too many details bringing in motion, pre-snap, at-snap motion. Maybe that's too hard for Bryce Young to deal with. I hope that play action can allow him to work a little better. Throwing downfield, it freezes the defense. You just want to see something, Fitty, that the best offense are also doing. They're not doing it. And so if we can go measure the top five offenses in the NFL, see some of the similarities within those top five offenses, I want to be able to say, hey, we do some of that too. Instead of longing like Joey and friends staring at the rain outside the window, longing for a smart, innovative offensive coordinator, a head coach saying, I wish we had some of that. I wish we had people helping Bryce Young. I hope he does it. And I hope the pressure allows him to do so.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, the the word is going to be disastrous because that's what it looked like under him the first six games. Maybe you get what you saw. At the end of the Detroit game and the first quarter of the Miami game, where the offense looked like it had a pulse, it looked like it was finding an identity, was in a, a, the best rhythm it's been in from a passing game perspective. But I don't know if they're going to be able to block up front, and if, if if they can't block, if they can't run the ball, it's going to be a long day for for this offense and and, and for and for Bryce Young. So um, I would like to see them maybe just, I mean, continue to simplify things and give Bryce Young a chance to be as efficient as possible.
0: So the simplify thing, I I don't know if I disagree with you. I just wonder if they've already been doing that, and that's been too easy for the defense to understand and stop the offense from scoring any points. Yeah. So is this the time where you actually do bring us something a little more complicated? Okay, we are going with play action. Despite you running from the gun constantly in college, We are going to put you under center, fake it to the running back, freeze the defense. Maybe that allows some wide receivers to get open downfield. You do leave yourself susceptible to the defensive line saying, I don't care about that running back. I trust everybody else to make that tackle. I'm going after Bryce. And do you even get there? Does Micah Parsons get to Bryce Young before he can even hand it off? Do we see another turnover? Yes, there is that risk, but we are very much at the point where Dan Fouts comes into play saying it's among the last games of the season here, Brett. You can't hold anything back now. I am very much going with the Waterboy Dan Fouts mantra and applying that to the Carolina Panthers offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, you know, remember back then Cam's rookie year and Rod Chizinski was calling all these, you know, exotic plays. He effectively called plays to become a head coach and became a head coach for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Frank Wright needs to call plays the last eight games of the regular season to try to be a head coach of the NFL next season, at least go out. I'd like to see them go out and trying to be as aggressive as they can. Knowing you're going up against a great defense and a defense that is going to apply a lot of pressure and it's opportunistic in turning the football over. But if you got to sit through a 42-3 to game while you're out here playing vanilla, it's not going to make it easier and easier to keep on defending Frank Wright.
0: So let's go where? Where will Bryce show the most growth this week? This has potential to get real ugly. There's a reason the Panthers are a 10-point dog, despite them playing at Bank of America Stadium. There's a reason that Bryce Young has looked as awful as he has the last two games because the offensive line isn't protecting because you can't trust the wide receivers to get open oh and that was against chicago and indianapolis now you're going against what is arguably the best defense in the nfl at least top three top five so there is no evidence to suggest that we can go into this matchup thinking oh okay yeah this is exactly what the doctor ordered for bryce young to start looking like a number one overall pick i don't know where he's going to show the most growth what i hope What I hope we see from Bryce is if that defensive pressure is in his face, I hope we don't see turnovers. Because what we've seen from Bryce the last couple of games is him make a bad situation worse. And that was was something we weren't seeing from Bryce as the season was going on. You've had all of these interceptions, by the way, happen in three games. Yep. It happened in the first game of the season against atlanta it happened against detroit and it happened against the indianapolis colts in what was a god-awful matchup but it was all the interceptions were only in those three so can can you deal with pressure to the point where you don't make that bad situation worse and turn over the football that's what i want to see from bryce and just hopefully you can put some points on the board
1: all right we just got the injury report for sunday no marquis haynes no cj henderson no J.C. Horn, and no Hayden Hurst. Back to Bryce. Okay. Um, I think you would like to see maybe, like, the biggest growth is understanding at some point you've got to be able to win from a pocket that's going to be muddy. And this is going to be one where you've got to trust your mechanics, you've got to trust your coaching, and and stand in there and make a couple throws. Because if, if they're going to be competitive, that's what it's going to take. You you've seen quarterbacks try to get outside the pocket and try to run on this cowboy defense. It doesn't end well for them. Ask Daniel Jones. Ask some other guys who have gotten licked, uh, taking licks week after week. Yeah, don't get licked, Bryce. <laughs> Whatever you do, just
0: stay away from the licking. So that's going to be a problem. You know,
1: you you you, you don't want to see that happen. I'd like to see him take that next step because I do. We saw him stand in the pocket in the SEC and make throws. I know this is the NFL, but that's the NFL junior. So. Have a little bit more trust in your guys. Maybe there's some better play calls getting your guys open and, and sitting there and make some throws you got to make.
0: You brought up some of those plays that he had in college. Despite the offensive line not being first round laden, man, those pockets were clean he was throwing from compared to what we're seeing now. Yes, even the last year at Alabama, those were cleaner pockets, but you're right. It's not going to look like that in the NFL. I don't expect it to look like that against Dallas. Hopefully he can play better in this game on Sunday. Let's go to the win. When does this game get out of hand? Is that a question that we should be asking? It probably is. And I hate to ask it. I don't uh, look. I don't think it'll be in the first half. One thing about the Panthers is that their defense has been playing really well. Yep. And so if Dak Prescott, he's been playing out of his mind here lately, the running game actually hasn't. Gotten going for Dallas in these last in these last few games. Tony Pollard been a little bit of a disappointment this year. Thought he was going to go crazy, and that's not been the case. Mike McCarthy. New-age offensive coordinator, basically. He's been letting it fly quite a bit. C.D. Lamb going for 10 catches and 150 yards in each of his last three appearances. NFL record. So, J.C. Horn just listed out, as Fiddy mentioned, like three minutes ago. That's going to hurt, but they have been able to get by without J.C. Horn these last few games, even if you are playing a better offense. So, when does it get out of hand? I don't think it's going to be in the first half, Fiddy. I think this defense is going to allow some sort of life some sort of hope that you may have to dig deep down for because they're not going to allow so many points on the other side. It's just the offense that we don't trust. But a 0-10 game going into the locker room, theoretically is not out of hand. Maybe it is for the Panthers, but at least there is some kind of shot you can get back in it, and so that's why I don't think they're going to be completely out of it until maybe the third, even fourth quarter. If
1: this game was in Dallas, I'd say it'd be the first half because the track record of their blowout wins, they've blown out teams in the first half. Jets, Rams, last week it was the Giants. I'm with you. I think this game is a quote-unquote game going into the middle part of the third quarter, but I would imagine by the start of the final 15 minutes in the fourth, we're going to know who's going to emerge victorious and look carolina gets up for this game like you know for whatever reason it's not a rivalry but this game means a lot because they know their fan base cares a lot about beating the cowboys a one and eight upset over the over the over dallas would save some people their jobs they're going to come out and they, and they and they will compete on sunday afternoon
0: all right here's the why the final one for the game day dubs why will we be encouraged coming out of sunday's game you got an answer for this, Biddy? Well, there's a,
1: there's a 704 number that thinks that they're going to come out and win the game on Sunday. I'm Love not going to go that far. Um, I I think you're going to be encouraged because I think they're they're not going to quit. And I don't know how much that matters when you're 1 and 9, but a lot of teams, you know, you see whether it's in the NFL, the NBA, when you when your season gets gets out of hand, you check out and you, and you don't care. I don't think this team is going to quit because I think they've got some of the right type of leadership despite being a 1-8 football team. So you might not like the result, but I think you'll be proud of the effort. I'll be encouraged
0: with something I said similarly in the where column. Bryce Young doesn't make a bad situation worse by throwing what is an awful interception. But also, I'll be encouraged on Monday when we come in, even with a loss, if the offense does something different with some sort of frequency. No, I'm not telling you that I expect that. But with this question, why will I feel good coming in on Monday after a Cowboys game? It will be because the offense at least tried to be different. And that's the problem. Here you are saying they're trying, they're not giving up. I hope the coaching staff isn't giving up on new concepts as we go into the last six, seven games of the season. Continue to explore new concepts. Try to, be in, try to have an open mind, Frank, and just see. Just see if Bryce Young is capable of doing some of the things that you have been scared to call because of a bad offensive line because receivers that aren't getting separation. I get where he's coming from. Like To say that I don't understand it would be false, but now's the time where you really can't hold it back, man. This is it. Your job is on the line, so you quite literally don't have anything to lose that isn't already at risk.
1: Real quick, last year Carolina hosted the Niners, a national brand at home, got blown out in a building full of 49ers fans. On Monday, Matt Rule got fired. If this is what this game could be, 38-10, to 10, in a stadium full of Dallas fans, could that be the end of Frank Reich?
0: It would be a bad clip circulating on social media watching a dejected Bryce Young walk to the locker room with his head down while Cowboys fans are waving a towel with the star on it. That's That would be really... That would be really upsetting, I think, for a lot of Panthers fans. All right, that'll do it for the game day dubs. Let's talk a little college football, Charlotte 49ers edition. Will Jim Harbaugh join Biff Pogey on the sideline? Hunter Bailey breaks it all down. Coming up next, Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNC.
2: Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: I did not know it was going to be possible for Jim Harbaugh to be in Charlotte this weekend, but it just might be based off of Biff Pogey's tweets. We're going to get to the bottom of that right now. Let's go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline here on Wesson and Walker and welcome Hunter Bailey from the Charlotte Observer and the Charlotte Post, by the way, as always, a renaissance man, helping us break it all down, watching the Charlotte 49ers in action this weekend. Hunter, do you have a confirmation yet, as if to Jim Harbaugh, will be joining Biff Pogey on the sideline after Pogey extended that invite?
3: i don't yet man but i am in the process of making a really good meme so be on the lookout for that here (sighs) soon
0: that's what i I, honestly that's what i want anyway i mean a a good meme would be even better if that thing can go viral then we could just have a fun few jokes with it i'm with that so make sure you follow hunter on twitter at hunter underscore bailey 45 and he'll bring a good meme for you in just a moment here's a question that we had yesterday me and wes were talking about it Hunter. The last two games have seen the Charlotte 49ers improve quite a bit. We even got to see them come back. The offense performed against Tulsa a few weeks back, despite falling to a seven Oh deficit. I didn't think they were going to beat Memphis. I-, I thought even with the 49ers playing better, them sticking with Trexler Ivy, him playing good football, Memphis just seemed too much of a powerhouse for me. And they had a chance Hunter. Like that game had everything Four interceptions. It's it's awful. But you still had a chance to beat that kind of squad. Should we have more confidence in this 49ers team as we end the season within the next couple of games?
3: Man, I I think the main takeaway from that game is is that you are a quarterback away from being where you want where you want to be. And I know, obviously, quarterback the most position most important position on the field, and maybe even in sports, that's key. You have to get that right. And obviously, we've seen a lot of struggles with that uh, since Chris Reynolds has play his last snaps and green gold. But the deal is the team is improving and talk about the running game, man. I mean, you get 198 yards from a walk on even me who covers this team year round. uh, When I see him get his first carry, I'm checking the roster. Who is 38? Who is 38? And you see 223 rushing yards against a solid Memphis team. I mean, this is the upper echelon of the American and Ryan Osborne said it, the defensive coordinator, uh, before the game, he said, Memphis is who we aspire to be in terms of putting guys in the league, competing in New York Six Bowls, competing for AAC championships, and then to say that and push them, push them to the brink, man. They, they had multiple opportunities to win that game. And the program is definitely, you, you like where they're headed, but that's, that's when you got to finish to really take that step.
0: Hunter, it felt like that was the identity that they had wanted to portray all year long. Running the football, maybe not the four interceptions. You'd rather your QB not turn it over at that kind of rate. But 198 yards for the walk-on, as you mentioned. 24 carries. The offensive line actually blocking for either one of these running backs getting a carry. It felt as close to the identity they wanted as possible. And speaking of, you mentioned the walk-on running back. Hassan Wilson comes in and has that impressive performance. You know, what do you make of his long-term eligibility here alongside like Darrell Robinson? Are they just going to roll with these guys going forward? Uh, how, how did this guy you know, emerge the way he did with us not having any information on him before this game?
3: That's, that's part of it, man. And you look at this team and it's like, all right, next man up has been the deal all year. You've got Quite a few quarterbacks going in and out. We've talked about that at length. You've got the suspension guys stepping up, and then you have the injuries at running back. Darrell Robinson out for the year with an ankle. Shad Bird dealing with a lower leg injury, and then Teron Kelman walking around on the sideline in a boot last week opens the door up for that fourth, fifth, sixth guy on the depth chart. And then Hassan Wilson just flashed. And when you when you look at his game, he's I mean he had one carry before this, and it was for four yards in garbage time against Rice. Uh, in a blowout victory last year, uh, he tore his ACL, PCL, and MCL in high school. Had a big recovery for that. That's part of the reason why he didn't get a scholarship. Ended up as a walk-on. Uh, but he—he's really a cool story. And I mean, you go for 200 basically and three touchdowns in game one. Like he's—he's going to get the lion's share of the carries this week. And then you're going to find out was it a flash in the pan? Maybe like Treks or Ivy's comeback performance against Tulsa. Do you have that come back to earth moment where, like you said, talked about the four interceptions with Hassan. What I see is that this offensive line is coming together, and that's something that's been huge as far as just development and growth of the team, right? We talked about in the preseason and the entire offseason that this offensive line was kind of like a hodgepodge of pieces put together with only one returning starter from a season ago. That's Johnny King. He's now out for the season. you got a walk-on center, Isaiah Bullardick, snapping to a walk-on quarterback, Trexar ivy handing off to a walk-on running back. And uh, one quick thing as far as Jim Harbaugh, I did just get a text that the invitation is real, and they're waiting on a response if he's coming this weekend or not. So we'll know soon.
0: Hunter Bailey, breaking news as he's on the Wesson Walker Show. That's why he has a weekly appearance. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The invitation is real. We're awaiting on confirmation whether Jim Harbaugh is going to show up on the sideline next to Biff Pogey. That would be fascinating. Real quickly, we only have a few minutes here. So if you want to text in a question for Hunter, if you are a Charlotte 49er fan, feel free to do so. 704-570-9610 is the number. I wanted to ask you about the Duke Mayo Classic. Duke's Mayo Classic. I'm sorry, it's plural. Here, Hunter, you get to see Appalachian State and Charlotte. Go at it. 2025 against uh, against one another in Bank of America Stadium. How big a deal is this for the 49er program?
3: I think it, I think it's huge, right? I mean, Mike Tels talked a lot about he wants to schedule the big in-state rivalry games. He wanted to get this I guess a fourth game in the series renewed, and they made it happen. They had to replace the out-of-conference game with ECU on the 2025 schedule. What better way kick off college football season Thursday in August 2025, uh, at Bank American Stadium against a team that you want to be rivals with, right? We've talked about this before. Off the air, they played three times. One of them was a blowout. The previous two were both really fun games. Yeah. Uh, one-score games in the fourth quarter for both of them. Uh, and While Charlotte didn't really have the upper hand in either of those, they were definitely trailing throughout. It was fun games. I mean, we saw the... App State fans, or not App State fans, the App State players with the banter holding up the club list sign in the locker room talking their talk. And you want to see more of that, right? And I don't know where I'm going to be in 2025, whether it's covering Charlotte, uh, but I will tell you I will be at that game as a fan if I am not covering it because that's going to be a ton of fun.
0: Yeah, it is going to be a lot of fun. You're right. They They do have, even if it's not a long history, they do have a fun history with a couple of those games happening recently. Final thing for me, Hunter, you tweeted this out just a couple days ago that it was a year ago from November 15th that Biff uh, Biff Pogey was hired as the Charlotte's 49er third football coach in their program's history. Where would you say the start of – where would you say the state, I should say, of Charlotte football is now compared to where it was a year ago before they hired Biff Pogey?
3: I really think it looks – or it depends on which lens you're looking through, right? Because if you look at the preseason statements from Biff – about how they're going to win the league. They're going to do X, Y, and Z. They wanted 15 episodes of the Mining for Greatness docuseries to account for how many games they're going to play. If you look at it like that, you look at it at this point, right? You've got three wins, got two games left. The bowl is out the window. Uh, But if you look at it from, hey, this is a roster with 70 new players and a brand new coaching staff trying to replace the program's best quarterback and Chris Reynolds, I think you can see somewhat of the production, right? And it was a slow start. You come out swinging against Maryland, you ultimately lose that game, keep it close to Florida, lose that game. But I really think the past two is kind of where you've seen the, the trajectory switch as well as the ECU game. You talk about a signature win in year one. I know the ECU is having a down year. I believe they have two wins now. But to go to Greenville, beat them on homecoming in the first ever match, that's your signature win. And then you have a road victory, a couple of road victories and overtime. And like I say, man, had you got the Memphis win last Saturday, which, I mean, they were up 10 points in the fourth quarter. It was there for the taking. Had you got that win, everyone's talking about the season drastically differently, and the bowl is still on the table, closing with two teams like Rice and USF, who when you look at it on paper, you expect Charlotte to contend with and even beat in some of these situations. So just depends which seat you're looking at it from. In my opinion, I think I said five wins was the expectation, was gravy. Uh, me and you me and you, talk bowl on here, so I can't even act like I didn't
0: say that. <laughs> we did. Five. We were big-time homers at the beginning of the season. Yeah. That's true.
3: Five was like, okay, if you get to five, you feel good, right? And they still have the opportunity to do that. And then they're going to have a chance to scour the portal. Like Ryan Osborne already put out the bat, bat signal saying, if you're a power five, drop down, come on to Charlotte. Come on to the 704. We'll take you. We'll play you. And I think that they're going to be extremely active in the portal as soon as the season is over.
0: All right, that's Hunter Bailey on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Hunter underscore Bailey 45, also host of the Highway 49 podcast. You can check out his work not only on the Charlotte Observer, but he also covers the Charlotte Hornets for the Charlotte Post. Lots of places to check out Hunter's content. Hunter, we appreciate the time, man. Have a great weekend.
3: Yes, sir. Take it easy, man.
0: Good stuff there from Hunter about Charlotte 49er football. Let's now go to some more college conversation. Let's discuss a little more about the college basketball scene with Nada Edwards, producer of the Ion College Basketball Podcast. He'll also bring us some Hornets analysis as well. It's all still to come. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.